All right, Cornerstone, it is good to be talking to you right now. And I'll tell you what, I am very excited about today's podcast. Part of it is, is that I'm not even going to say a word beyond the intro because I have three ladies that are a part of Cornerstone, Robin Albanese, Lisa Boring, and Val Curio, who are going to have a discussion amongst women, not only about maybe brokenness that they've experienced in sexuality, but most important, the amazing redeeming work of God in and through brokenness to put Jesus on display through our lives. And so we're going to be doing Beyond Sunday in a different way, in which we're going to have a discussion where no dudes are allowed because they would ruin it anyways. And you're going to get to hear not only the ideals of God's Word, the amazing truths of God's Word from these amazing ladies, but you're also going to hear how it lands in the context of a local church and in and through relationships inside of a local church. So with that, I can't wait to say to the ladies, Please, I'm excited for you to lead us through how to think through not only 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8, but more importantly, how to think through how we display Jesus Christ in and through our lives and steward our sexuality to make much of King Jesus. Hello, Cornerstone family. We are so excited to be the first women that are doing a podcast for our church and our church family. My name is Robin Albanese, and I am a member here at Cornerstone Church, and I am with two beautiful ladies today, Lisa Boring and Val Curiel. No, no, is that right? Did I say that right? <laughs> Curiel, I love it. And we are excited to be here, a little bit nervous, but very excited to be with you today and to share some stories of our lives and to be very personal and intimate about a few things. And we have been tasked with the responsibility of speaking about sexual intimacy and sexual brokenness. And this is part of the series that our pastors are doing on First Thessalonians and about Paul's instruction to conduct ourselves with sexual purity. And the guys did a terrific podcast, number 17. We would really encourage you to go back and listen to that one, either before or after ours, and to... Um, as hear what they had to say about what really they spent about 30 minutes talking about what the ideal intent was of God when he created man and woman in their sexual identity. And it's a great podcast to listen to about what um, God desired from us from creation forward. But we are here today to talk about the less than ideal story, what happens when there is sexual brokenness, and, and obviously our focus is specific to women. We do get uh, personal, and it is somewhat of an intimate conversation, so we do suggest that you not listen to this with listening ears of little children, that you um, listen to it in private or with a, with a headset or something that you can um, listen carefully without um, really exposing your children to some uh, sensitive topics. So we do suggest that. And uh, we want, as the conclusion is to really offer hope uh, through your bro brokenness and through the things that perhaps have happened to you or the choices that you have made. So with that being said, um, 
I am going to introduce both Lisa and Val, and they each are going to tell a little bit of their story, and then we will... um, We are going to do this interview in three sections. So the first section is just to hear a little bit about their life and their story. And we are so grateful that you are listening and um, hope that it is a blessing to you. So Lisa, we're going to start with you and introduce yourself. Tell our uh, audience a little bit about yourself. Awesome. Well, I am um, humbled and honored to be here today. So thank you for that. Um, I've been attending Cornerstone for, gosh, must be 12, 13 years now. Um, Started attending with my, uh, at the time, uh, boyfriend a long time ago, Um, but has since become my husband and have been through uh, lots of, you know, premarital and marital classes here and um, just love this church family. So it's an honor to be here um, today. So thank you. Um, I grew up in a a Christian home in Kansas, a very conservative Mm -hmm. place, Um, the Bible Belt, if you will. Um, a youth group goer, always in the church, going to all the events. I used to sing in the worship band, all the things, and um, very much a rule follower. I was like, you know, the rule follower. I had an older brother, and um, he was the rebellious one, and I was the rule follower. So I was this, you know, um, little uh, picture of perfection. Um, and, but I, I felt... Um, the God-given sexual desire, um, pretty young. Um, I, I don't remember exactly how young, um, but if I had to guess, I would probably say somewhere between 10 and 12 years old. Um, it was in some movie I saw in a, a movie theater. I just, I, I just had that feeling inside of like, what, what is, um, like, what is that feeling? Like that, that tingling feeling inside of me, what is it? I don't know if I'm supposed to be feeling it. Um, but that's kind of where I remember feeling just the sexual drive that the Lord gives us, um, for the first time. Um, I was pretty young. Um, and from there, um, I began knowingly slash maybe unknowingly seeking it out. Um, I don't think I knowingly was, but I would put myself in situations going to see movies, um, reading books or stories or, you know, going in chat rooms in the days of AOL uh, (laughs) (laughs) that um, would would allow me uh, to read or hear about or see scenes or um, intimate moments um, of what I now know um, would be considered pornography, whether it was soft or hard. Um, I, I started looking for it, um, looking for that feeling, exploring that feeling, um, um, but all the while hiding it. Um, I kind of as it went on, started really living two different lives. I was still a rule follower. I was a churchgoer. I was a high school small group leader. Um, I was kind of a, a picture of purity. I had committed myself to not having sex until marriage. Um, my parents had given me a purity ring. Um, so I was a virgin. Um, and, and that was kind of my 
my life that people saw. Um, and then there was my life of sin. And it was um, in moments of solitude, times when I was alone, um, mostly at night a lot, um, just seeking out ways to kind of feel that feeling of that sexual desire. Um, I, I don't remember like specifically how it grew or um, when, you know, I was involved in certain parts of it, but it was kind of always there. Um, and I took it to college and it, it started affecting me in, in different ways in college. It's still seeking out the images and the stories and the scenes, but it also moved into getting curious in actual relationships with guys. Um, all still quiet, but the burden got pretty heavy and dark and I started fearing how it would affect my marriage um, and my future. But <clears throat> as God does, he had put a mentor in my life years prior that I finally got up the courage to eventually confess my addiction to. And it was truly the beginning um, of a long and sometimes painful, but really necessary road of beautiful redemption in that area. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, to our audience, we're going to dive a little deeper into all of these topics. We're, I just want to give you an introduction to both Lisa mm -hmm. and Val. And um, we will elaborate on some of these issues in just a few minutes. Uh, Val, would you share a little bit, introduce yourself and, yeah. and share a little bit about your story? Yes. So uh, my name is Val. I've been coming to Cornerstone for, I believe it's been 14 years. Six of those were spent at a church plant, um, and we were part of Cornerstone when we did home church and that sort of thing, and then that's how we got plugged into the church plant, mm -hmm. um, which was a blast and a lot of fun. <laughs> but now we're back at Cornerstone, um, and it's such a joy to be here. Um, so my story is a little different um, in regard to the way that um, sexual brokenness has just kind of played a role in my life. Um, I met Jesus when I was three. And the way I always tell this to people is, so I met him when I was three, but then my whole world fell apart, mm -hmm. um, which is um, kind of funny when you hear it that way. But yeah, so for me, it was more about receiving or the receiving end of sexual immorality, um, which created just sexual brokenness within me that weaved itself into every area of my life. Um, as a child, I had lived through significant trauma by the age of six, and that led to my own sexual sin and brokenness. Um, I had already endured sexual abuse by the time I was six. So what's that like? Kindergarten? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, my young mind was awakened to things that no child should know, and it led to broken thinking, feeling, and understanding well into my adulthood. Um, I grew up afraid of people and untrusting of men specifically. I also grew up without a father, so men in general were confusing and scary. Um, I was always in a world of my own making, much like Alice in Wonderland, but my what I was always looking for or craving was safety. Um, because the world was unsafe, I hid myself to never be visible so that I could never be hurt again. Um, I hid in addiction, I hid in food, and I hid in self-harm. Um, and all of these were effects of my trauma, and there are consequences which I still bear the burden of on my body to this day. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember being a young adult growing in my faith and reading the story of Tamar in 2 Samuel 13. And it was really unreal to me that what I thought was unique to me was represented in scripture. 
Um, our circumstances were different, but the shame and the pain were the same. That's accidental rhyming, sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the passage notes that she went on to live with her brother Absalom as, quote, a desolate woman. And that was huge for me. And I felt like that was my story as well. I was supposed to be a desolate woman because sexual brokenness in my life was a result of sin done to me. Um, Yet I took the identity of the desolate woman and lived under that weight and pain and shame for years. Uh, I coped poorly and isolated myself in secret darkness and secret addiction to harming myself. Um, I daily question every single day that I would ask myself, and this was a big chunk of my life, maybe 10 years, um, I would wake up and be really angry that I woke up. And I would ask myself, Am I going to kill myself today? And that was my question every single day. Um, the skin that I lived in was alien and just shame ridden. So I tried really hard to save myself with my own two hands and I didn't know how to cope. And I didn't know anyone felt like I did. I had no other, like I had no idea that other people knew the shame that I was concealing. Um, I was very isolated because the lies the enemy had fed me regarding being a desolate woman were just so loud and I didn't have other believers in my life helping me to combat the lies by pointing me to truth. So I grew up just in a very hopeless and dark, isolated pit. But God. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, so we are going to take a quick break here, uh, let you absorb those stories. Think about it for a second. And uh, then we're going to go on to our next section about um, really the influences, the consequences of this brokenness and how it affected their lives. So bear with us. Thank you for uh, being with us again. And we are going to go on to uh, talk about the doctrine statement that was written by our elders, pastors and elders here at Cornerstone and um, this section that they wrote on human sexuality, I'm just going to read to you briefly, and then we're going to talk about the um, sinful effects and, and really the influence of Satan in our world and in our society, and even the, in, within the context of the church, mm -hmm. and where we've had some um, hiccups in dealing with um, our own sexuality, even within the confines of the church community. So the, the doctrine statement reads like this, human sexuality, which includes sexual attraction, desires and actions, is a gift from God and is intended for the pleasure and union of one man and one woman within marriage. However, sin has affected every aspect of human sexuality such that all fallen humans experience attractions and desires and choose to act upon them in ways that are disordered and contrary to God's good intention. And I think you, you obviously can hear from both Lisa and Val's stories that that's true. God had a good intention. And, and Lisa mentioned, for instance, that um, her uh, sexual um, interest was a God-given thing to mm -hmm. her at, a, at actually a, a fairly young age. Mm -hmm. um, but that she at least now looks back at it and sees that as a good thing that went, that became distorted. And obviously in Val's story, it was distorted from the very, very beginning, from age three, well, age six, I yeah. think you said. Mm -hmm. So um, so we want to make it clear that 
we are women that um, that embrace the fact that God gave us our sexuality, mm-hmm. but it's how it is displayed or how it comes out. The last thing I want to do is introduction to this section is that the guys in their podcast, again, podcast number 17, repeatedly say this phrase about putting God on display, even in the context of our sexuality, mm-hmm. and that um, in all aspects of our life, whether it's our work or our parenting or our marriages, um, in, in relationships, friendships, we are called upon by Scripture to put God on display in a way that represents Him and represents Him accurately and well. And this conversation, of course, is specific to our sexuality, but even in that, we are um, able to put God on display in in how we conduct ourselves and even our thoughts and what we think about our Mm -hmm. sexuality. And to um, have a biblical worldview of what it means so the first thing we want to talk about is really the influence of society on um, on our lives. And I, I have my own story of brokenness, which I'm not going to share in this podcast. But um, rest assured, I'm not sitting here as a um, just an observer. I am, I am a um, subject to my own brokenness, some of my own choices that I made. But uh, so I'm in here, and we're we're. We're a united group of women here, broken women. So um, uh, Val, if you'll start talking a little bit about the society, uh, the culture that we live in here in Southern California or just in general. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, what's funny is one of those things that really defined, and I think this is for me personally, but maybe some of you out there listening, this resonates, but I grew up in a, um, with the culture at home in particular, that what happens here stays here. Mm -hmm. So that was very, um, like that really led my thinking of, um, yeah, we don't talk about this. We don't go here. This Mm. isn't something that is brought up. We don't bring light to this darkness. Um, And what I see with um, women that I personally counsel is that same storyline of, um, well, you know, the culture tells me that I can do this. I can do that. I can't. um, Or but then my family says I'm not allowed to talk about certain things. So there are certain things that remain in the dark um, because they've been told or have been raised a certain way. Mm. Um, One of the things I see most frequently with women I walk with, but also even in my own life is um, the mixed messages of what society tells us. Um, As a Christian, as a, as a child growing up in the Lord, I knew that purity was something to um, pursue, but I also didn't know what that looked like to Mm -hmm. do. I didn't, I didn't have anybody walking with me toward purity. So I didn't understand what that meant. I wore a ring also, but Mm -hmm. it really meant little because I didn't know what that meant. What that picture was. Right. Or or nobody was discipling me. Nobody was walking with me. I just didn't have any sort of conversation about it. Um, But one of the things I often hear, especially with the ladies that I walk with is, um, 
yeah, society tells me that it's appropriate for me to express my sexuality. I have to masturbate because it's healthy. It's biological. It's, you know, something that my body needs. Therefore, there's these messages that are completely contrary to what God is calling us to. Where he very really says, be holy for I am holy. There is a pursuit of holiness that we don't have very much instruction in, especially over these topics, which Mm -hmm. are a little more taboo and and stay in the dark. And stay in the dark. Yeah, Yeah, I totally agree with that and even like it's almost like it's becoming even more so in our society as it goes on even more so like yes be sexual Mm -hmm. like own your sexuality like gosh even our award shows these days are like it's totally fine to be completely sexual on a stage for millions of people um so yeah i think even when we were growing up we we had that and it just continues getting worse and worse if you will in our society yeah. Um, but then I think moving into the talk about purity rings and mm-hmm. um, I don't know, just just not talking about certain parts of it. Um, I think that I felt that from the church also. I just I felt that. Well, first of all, when it was talked about, it was talked about in regards to men only mm-hmm. in regards to my story and right. pornography. Um right. It was it was talked about in in a way that didn't um, speak to me mm. because I was a woman. <laughs> so um, I think that's one thing. But then um, just in regards to not talking about the gift that sexuality is, um, we we get purity rings and we we know about it because it's talked about in kind of generics or general. Mm-hmm. It's very broad. Um, yeah, yeah, broad. Um, and I don't know why that is, maybe because of the intimacy of the topic um, and, you know, maybe the comfort of parents yeah, with sure, kids yeah. in high school or whatever yeah. it is. Um, but I felt that a lot in my story of just like it's it's just it, we're we're talking about purity and how important it is to stay pure and to wait for marriage and how God intended this to be between one man and one woman, but we're not talking about the fact that that doesn't mean that like you're going to wait till you find that one man and one woman. And then all of a sudden it's just going to turn on, you know, we're not talking about the fact that no, we were born with that desire. And what do we do with that? Yeah. It's not a light switch. Yeah. I, one thing that I think might be helpful is, um, just sort of identifying our ages. I'll start (laughs) not, we don't, you don't have to be specific, but for instance, I'm 68. So I, um, was born in the fifties and, and came into, um, uh, you know, sexual awareness in the sixties and, and early seventies. And, um, so that was a sexual revolution. Mm. I mean, that was just radical time. And that influence of society, and, and again, similar to Val, this just was not a topic you talked about at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't talk to either of my mom or dad no. about what um, sensations I was feeling or attractions that I had. Yeah. That was That just was not table talk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You just didn't do it. Mm -hmm. So what, if you, you know, what generation do you come from? Because I, I think what I, I also want uh, our women to know is that uh, society, every um, age category is subject to society's pressure. Mm 
Yes. So the pressures now and the um, the gender confusion and all yes. of that is a a different force in mm-hmm. the current society that, of course, I never grew up with. Yeah. But there still was great pressure even mm-hmm. in my in my era, yeah. <laughs> in my, yeah. my ancient time. Well, I'm Stop. 35, so um, yeah. I, but I think it is also. I'm 35 years old, but I also grew up in Kansas. So I don't know, Val, if you grew up in California. Yeah, right? in California. Okay, mm-hmm. so probably very different even. Yeah. And just that sense, yeah. but yeah, I'm, I'm 35 years old, so yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not telling y'all numbers, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm somewhere between 35 and 68. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and, I, and I'm just gonna say a lot closer to 35. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, um, yeah, and I, and we, we, you, you have to understand we we made notes we you know in preparation for this and we just talked about the sexualization of society mm-hmm. and it is so perverse now it's yeah. it's inescapable and and we have to be so mm-hmm. and encouraging one another and for for me as an older woman encouraging a younger generation to pursue biblical understanding and to pursue what um Christ and in, in what Christ says about our lives and our identity and certainly what God wrote in, in his word about a purity. And this section in first Thessalonians that, um, we've been asked to speak about uh, is specifically in the context of holiness, Mm -hmm. which is what Val just spoke about. Mm -hmm. And, and I think at some point we women have to decide, do we even want to be holy? Right. Is mm-hmm. that even a desire in our heart? And I can tell you when I was a teenager, holiness wasn't even a word that, that was even no. known to yeah. me. Yeah, me I did yeah, not, exactly. I had never even read, you know, be holy because I am holy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't even know what that meant. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we have, even in today's society, we have somewhat of an ignorance that people, uh, women, men and women can't even imagine living a holy life. Mm-hmm. And and like Val, right. it was not modeled for her. Mm-hmm. So she didn't even know what that looked like. How yeah. do you where how mm-hmm. do you I wear a purity ring, but what the heck does that mean? Right. Mm-hmm. So let's talk for a few minutes about the church. What is going on in the church? What what the church as a community has done well, but let's also expose what they have not done well. Mm-hmm. So Lisa, why don't you start? Yeah, I mean, I think what they have done well is given uh, light to a different way than society tells us. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if we didn't have the church, we would just see that sexuality is, you know, you do whatever you want with whoever you want at whatever age you are and mm-hmm. um, all those things. So I, I do think the church brings light to there is another way and the beauty um, within that. Um, I think... They've come, the church has come a long way in discussions about um, our sexual brokenness, but I think that they have a long way to go. And mm. I touched on it earlier, but um, the way that pornography is just talked about in reference to men, um, I think that just the lack of discussion, not even the wrong discussion, but the lack of discussion about these sexual desires the fact that you will feel them younger than Mm. when you get married. Um, I truly had like the thought that I was just going to be a virgin until I got married. And then I was going to have an incredible sex life when I got married. Like (laughs) It was just going to be like no sex now. And when I say no sex now, I didn't just mean physically not having sex, but it was like no thinking about sex, no nothing. Um, And that that's just for marriage. So I think what, 
the church needs to get better at is having discussions about sex mm. drives yeah. right. um, sexual desires right. the fact that they're beautiful they're purposeful mm. um, and they can be used in the right way for such beautiful things um, younger younger when we're not even anywhere near marriage um, so that when you know we have kids starting to feel those they're not like what is this shove it down figure out dark and lonely and um, secret ways of dealing with it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Do you have? Oh, that's good. Just... I really agree with that. I think that's um, really wise that you could see it that way. And I really appreciate your emphasis on having a sexual drive and it being godly and good. Like, yes. yeah, praise yeah. God. That's true. Yeah. We ne- we don't hear that. That's no. so foreign. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think, um, like, let me just be really clear that before I say anything that <laughs> I love the church. I mm-hmm. love love, love the way that the Lord has organized and structured shepherding and what that looks like. And I just love, um, the church as a whole, but I really love Cornerstone. (laughs) (laughs) I love our church. A little plug there. (laughs) And so, um, uh, one of the things I think, and and this coming from a single person, because Lisa's married. Yeah, um, I forgot to I, say that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm single. Um, so if anyone knows Keanu Reeves. Um, <laughs> no, so I'm single, and um, I have a responsibility to steward my sexuality. Mm-hmm. I have one just as much as you do, and it Amen. looks different for each mm-hmm. one of us. And I think that's something that we need to talk about in church. We need yeah, to be talking right. specifically about singleness and what it looks like to have a sexual drive but be single, um, what that looks like in abstaining from sexual expression mm-hmm. until marriage, what it looks like to steward your sexuality toward the Lord and and be a single person and be fulfilled and content. Um I don't think we talk about that enough. I also feel that sometimes we err on the side of marriage idolatry, Mm -hmm. which just causes more tension among people who are single um, in the desire for sexual expression. And so, um, again, I think all this comes back to let's be talking about this. We can't Mm -hmm. just talk about what not to do. We have to talk about how to do this, how to walk in purity, how to walk in holiness, and how to do that together. I just really think that's something that we got to be talking about. Yeah, I um, I agree. And just listening to your conversation, I was remembering back when I was a teenager and and recognizing that uh, that I was interested and curious about sexual activity. And um, and in my era, and maybe this is different. Maybe this is generational. I but but maybe not. I'll, I'll just say it, and you can talk about it or ask me questions. But um, I think I was looking for acceptance mm. and and affirmation of who I was as a young woman. And that, to me, the natural, um, um, I don't know, receiving acceptance was to be sexually active. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we, at least in my generation, again, I was born in the 50s and I attended a very fundamental church in, in my youth. And it was, um, you know, it's commonly, you know, the fire and brimstone sort of church. And so there was a lot of condemnation, not a lot of teaching about the acceptance right. and the love of God. Right. So I didn't understand how deeply God loves mm. us. I, In fact, that wasn't really expressed. I mean, I mm. certainly knew John yeah. three sixteen, you know, <laughs> for God so loved the world. But uh, I guess as a young girl looked at that, well, God loved the world, but didn't love Robin mm. specifically. Mm. And um, 
and it wasn't until I was much later and, and really was diving into the, well after I was married, that's the other thing I haven't said, I've been married 48 years. So obviously I married young, um, but the acceptance that I wanted and craved, I had, I think in my mind that would come through um, sexual activity. Mm-hmm. And of course it doesn't come that way. Mm-hmm. The acceptance that we're craving and, and desiring comes from Christ alone mm-hmm. and his um, His approval of us and his devotion to us. Mm-hmm. So I think like you, Val, talking about that is that I think the church can do a better job. Mm-hmm. It's not a substitution. Mm-hmm. It's not... Right. God loves you until you get married and can engage no. in sexual activity <laughs> and then, you know, then go figure it out. No. It's this knowing our identity in Christ mm-hmm. first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And out of that identity is that we enjoy our sexuality yes. out of that identity as being beloved by God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. That's good. Yeah. Oh, enough said? No, that was great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Period. Yeah. Yeah. Period. Is that where we're going? Okay. All right. Um, We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a few seconds. And uh, thank you again for being with us. All right. We are going to get to um, really the conclusion of this podcast, but not the conclusion of our stories Mm -hmm. by any stretch. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to talk a little bit about about continuing the story with Lisa and Val about how they grew into their faith and how you dealt with the brokenness in your lives and pretty much bring us up to date where you are now. Mm. Val, do you mind starting? Yeah, not at all. So, um, yeah, again, I think I left off talking about being in this very dark, um, isolated, hopeless pit. And um, again, but God, Mm -hmm. um, in his infinite goodness, he provided a way out. Um, My faith was beginning to grow. Um, I don't think I mentioned this, but I'm an EBC alumna. And Mm -hmm. just going to EBC was like Uh, life-changing. Tell it for those that don't know, what's EBC? Oh, EBC is Eternity Bible College. Um, I'm sorry that I'm just doing all these plugs for Cornerstone (laughs) EBC, yo, but (laughs) I love them. And so um, I... I will will add also that... um, on the regular podcast, when you hear the gentleman speak, Spencer McCush is the president of EBC. <laughs> so we're all well connected with the, the college. Yeah. Very cool. So I started to um, go there and my faith really just began to grow. I started praying that the Lord would give me a mentor. Now, I didn't even know what I was praying for. I just knew that I needed help. I needed something. I needed someone. And I knew that I had him, but I needed somebody in the flesh to sit and hold my hand. And I started praying for a mentor and I prayed that prayer for 10 full years Mm. before he provided, excuse me, provided um, just this amazing sister who walked with me and she led me through so much growth and healing. Um, And it's funny because I look at 1 Thessalonians 4.3 and the call to sexual purity. And even though my story is a little bit different, I still had a struggle with purity. So my mind and my body knew things I wasn't supposed to know. Mm -hmm. Um, Purity was always an issue for me, and it was mainly in my mind. But um, even as a single woman now, and I said this before, like I still have a call to steward my sexuality with purity and abstinence. Um, in my singleness, I can image Jesus in my purity by pursuing holiness, but I also need the church to encourage me and stir me up toward that 
that pursuit. Um, and so just knowing the Lord cares about my sanctification, I'm so thankful that he does because it was through the church, through this woman who walked with me through the bride of Christ that I learned um, that I didn't have to atone for myself. There was nothing I could do to ease the hurt and I could not heal myself, which is what um, self-harm was to me. It was this mm -hmm. desire to just rid myself of the yuck within that I couldn't get rid of. And um, it wasn't until I was in a discipleship relationship that um, my life was just completely transformed. Um, it was after opening up and seeking community that I was able to come out of like victim mentality, but also just the darkness I had adapted to. I was I was fine staying there as the desolate woman. And the Lord has completely eradicated that thought from my mind and reminded me, like, you are not the desolate woman. You are victorious in me. I am an overcomer. I am a, a conqueror. And I'm just so, so thankful for the identity that he gives me, which is different than the identity that I believed for so, so long. Yeah. That is such glorious news. I, 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 if you if you need to rewind the podcast yes. and listen to the last four minutes Praise of Val, yeah. it's um, we just need that so mm -hmm. much. We need to have that hope, and we need to know that God is with us. We never walk alone. Yeah. Jesus is always with us and always present mm -hmm. and always by our side. Yeah. yeah. Lisa, what's the continuation of your story? Yeah, I mean, I think... You'll see a common thread here. I uh, I kind of left off, I guess, in college, um, still in a very secretive place, just manifesting itself in different ways in relationships. And um, it actually wasn't, I went to college out here in California, but it wasn't until um, I came back one summer to, to Kansas. And I mentioned the relationship that I had um, with a mentor also um, was um, an older woman in my life that I just had a relationship with as a mentor. And I don't even, I don't think that I could say that I knew I needed to tell somebody. Mm. I don't know that I was in that healthy of a mental place even. Um, but for whatever reason, um, at, you know, a coffee or lunch or something that I went to with this woman, um, she probably asked some prompting question and I probably felt the conviction of the Lord to um, confess. And so um, I did. And that was the the first person I had verbally out loud spoken um, that I had a problem and kind of unloaded. That had um, to have been a, so scary. Yes, it was. Yeah. 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 And um, but I think, you know, I say unloaded. I it was so long ago, but I can remember even as I spoke, the feeling of the burden being slightly lifted by telling someone else that could help me carry it. Mm. Um, so I, I think I just word vomited yeah. all over um, of what I had been dealing with. And she was, of course, so gracious of, of being a good listener, but also solution oriented. How can I support you? How can I hold you accountable? So that was only the beginning Um I think throughout the next years, really, um, the Lord continued to put safe relationships in my life, a roommate in college, um, girlfriends, um, even throughout when I got married, uh, girlfriends that were also married, that I've just had opportunities to um, be open and honest and transparent about my past and what I've experienced. And um, also with my husband, um, just we obviously had to tackle 
um, that and all the things that I had believed about, you know, my sex drive just turning on when I (laughs) got into a marriage. Um, We have tackled those together and he also has been so gracious, but um, just being honest about like this is sin, was and is sin in my life, Um, but there doesn't need to be shame there. There is and can be redemption still. So um, I think like any sin, I would say I I don't consider myself out of it. Um, There are still very real ways I have to be, um, you know, take myself out of situations that could be tempting or um, moments that could be that um, even now as a married woman. I mean, I I will have been married for eight years this year. So um, I don't think that I can never say I'm out of it, but I think that um, it has been turned into such a beautiful way. I used to think, well, I'm pure, I'm a virgin, this has to just be who I am. I can't also have this side of it, um, this sin and this darkness in regards to my sexuality. Um, I now see how beautiful it is that um, the Lord uses both. Mm. Um, And so I think that... um, there's a beautiful hope and redemption there of um, you, you don't have, your sin doesn't have to go away. Um, it's always there, uh, or I guess it's not always there, but um, it can be a part of your past. Um, it can be something you're constantly working on and it should be. Mm. Um, but allowing someone to walk with you and carry it, I think um, we all could find so much um, help in and freedom in. Absolutely. I, I, I love that both of these beautiful women had mentors mm-hmm. and had women disciplers in yeah. your life. And I know so that uh, Cornerstone specifically is passionate about discipleship. Mm-hmm. And uh, ladies, if you, if you find yourself in a situation and you have unconfessed sin and you have um, a struggle, please reach out. Reach out to the staff here at Cornerstone. Um, Get some help. Find a confidant that is trustworthy, um, that doesn't pile on the shame on you, but actually loves on you and, mm-hmm. and is part of the struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, I know so much of First um, Thessalonians is about the sanctification of the church. It's not just singular sanctification. It is about his church, his bride mm-hmm. being sanctified. We're going to conclude this um, podcast with this passage. This is uh, coming up in about a week. Todd will discuss this passage in First Thessalonians. It's 523. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen. Amen. Beautiful way to conclude this this podcast. Clearly, we want to say that that um, the recovery and the the dealing with our sin was not done single handedly. It was done in community with other people's help, and obviously done through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that God is the faithful one here. In our unfaithfulness, God remains faithful. And when he says he will do it, he says that he will sanctify it, sanctify us, sanctify his body of believers, then he will do it. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. We love you. Um, Please share this podcast with those that need to hear it. And we hope to be back. Thank you. Thank you.